Hello, guys, and welcome to episode 26 of With My Own Two Hands, which is officially the final episode of season one. I mean, the past year has flown by, and I've been thinking about all the amazing topics and chats we've had throughout these last 25 episodes. And dipping my toes into the podcast world is something that I've wanted to try for a long time. And I'm so happy that you guys have tuned in and enjoyed this longer form content. I can't wait to see you guys next season. And as always, please comment anything you'd like to see from topics you'd like to hear and talk about guests you'd like to see on the podcast and anything else. Thank you so much for your continuous support and every comment and review you've left. It makes such a world of difference and I love hearing from you. Today, I'm sharing my favorite moments from season one. From episode one, why I DIY and love it. Growing up, I always had that mentality, me do it. I always wanted to accomplish something on myself. So you could really say that DIY is in my blood. Like it it is truly who I am at my core. And I've always had this like outlook of, well, if that person can do it, I can do it too. If they learned how to do it, so can I. And if they accomplished that. I mean, everyone was born, I have this mentality, but like everyone was born the same way, you know, like we all came out the same, same way. So it's just a matter of acquiring the right skills and asking the right questions. And Google, Google is my friend. I Google everything. And I didn't go to school for renovations. I'm not a contractor. This is not, uh, I didn't even go to interior design school. I went to fashion design school. Now a lot can be trans over and and applied but i am self-taught this is not a college degree this is not a this is i am self-taught in all things and google is the best learning <laughs> best place to learn all these things from episode 2 chatting with mom about our ever changing decor styles and why we don't follow trends we both have a similarity in style but also my mom's style changes every few years <laughs> Completely. And I'm not talking a little bit. Completely. I'm talking totally different. And I want to hear from her how she does that or like how, why she does that. One, why? Let's let's talk about why you think your trends or your get, style changes. Because I'm ready to do something else. I think I get bored. Oh. And I'm ready to mix it up. Well, that's understandable. You get bored with your house and yeah. And you are a person that likes change. But I really like the house, I just get bored with it. So I sell it with all the furniture in it. Right. So then I'm done and I can move on. I used to, I used to call you guys serial flippers, but the difference is that you would live in them and not flip houses in terms of like renovating them, building from scratch. Mm -hmm. So building a home, they, they, both my parents like build homes from scratch design it. My mom literally draws the plan, the plans herself. And then they build it with contractors and stuff, come and build it, furnish it all to perfection, live in it for about five years and get this itch. Want to rebuild in a completely different style. From episode three, buying a home cash versus loan. Cause we have done both jumbo loan. I think in the uh, year when we, when we closed on the house in 2022 was, I think anything over like 600,000 was considered a jumbo loan. So there's even more kind of things that you have to really like, you know, your credit score and your debt to income ratio has to be really, really good um, to get a, a jumbo loan. So look into that. If you're like in California, I don't know if you can find property for less than that. I had to research that and I had to research all of these abbreviations and just Google is my friend in DIY projects and Google is my friend in loan language, apparently, and just really educating myself. And I, I know so much more about the process, but I can tell you being like four, no, not even four months. That was November. So December, January, two months out of doing all of that. I don't plan on doing it again anytime soon. <laughs> it was definitely traumatizing, but you just have to just buckle down and just handle it and keep reminding yourself that, you know, it's going to be over and you're going to have your, and what, is it worth what? Okay, let me go back. Was it worth it? Yes. That I get to sit in this house right now 
and call this home and call like fulfill a dream, a hundred percent worth it. I would not give it up for anything. And I, I would do it again, all over again, if I had to, in order to feel the way that I felt living here for three weeks. From episode four, a chat with mom about the ugly side of home building, our horror stories. I feel like we, we just in one house, I went through so many, you know, little mini horror stories. Uh, so the first thing we went through 15 plumbers, 15. And we had constant, we were trying to get people out here. They wouldn't show up. We would contact another one. They would come, they would bid. They would say they were going to come to work. They wouldn't. One finally would show up. He did all the drainage in the back for the foundation. He messed it all up. And then he stole all of the, the I think $2,500 worth of plumbing mm -hmm. materials that he picked up from the warehouse that I paid for and never came back. And then we were on the search again for another plumber. We had to buy more products. So that was one mini horror story. And see, you're so healthy. You just said, I'll just buy some more. We'll just I did. put this I, behind us. I don't I would dwell. be on that guy's doorstep. I'd be following him. I would find, I would find him. I know. It was just, you know, we were in those situations. Yeah. Then mm. we were also, not only did we have the pandemic to deal with, the year we started building, we had rain every other day oh we yes. oh, had goodness. the most the worst weather we couldn't build the we couldn't pour the foundation we couldn't fill the concrete build pour the concrete we would get to the day we were supposed to do it it would rain we would reschedule we would get to the day we were supposed to do it it would rain i mean and like, it would be pretty in between oh yeah beautiful <laughs> weather rain it was like how do it was it was uh, there was a lot but stealing someone's stuff yeah is not acceptable yeah, horrible bad. really horrible going through that many tradesmen and not being able to get them out here was horrible um and that there was something else major that happened did i block it out did i black out mm. the plumber woman thing was a bad thing stealing this stuff was bad i i, I don't know i every time there was something that happened that you were just frustrated with you just dig in and do it yourself I did. I think that it's it's kind of caused me. I'm very much already a personality that that uh, likes to DIY and do things on my own, anyways. So when you add in the layer of just, I don't like to depend on people. Really, I don't like to depend on someone else. And I'm a very punctual person. Like if I say some, if I tell someone I'm going to be somewhere, I'm going to be there. And for these people to say that they were going to be there and not be there, it just aggravated me. So it caused me more stress than just. Googling how to do it and doing it myself if I could. There were certain things that I just couldn't do my... Oh! Oh, what? <laughs> I remember the other horror story. The electrician. Oh, yeah. Oh, my goodness. Oh. I blocked it out, too. I did. I blocked it out. Is that... it? Oh, God. That was awful. So, <laughs> we found the electrician. He comes out. He does, he does all the wiring, everything. His guys come out. They're supposed to be done in a weekend. Blah, 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 blah. Uh, they, they do it and then they've got to wait for the sheetrock. Right. And so we got, we finally got the, the drywall up and we were ready for them to come back out. He came out for one day and disappeared. Gone. No one knows. Contractor can't get in touch with him. He's also working on other jobs for him. Can't get in touch with him. Gone. And it was just we were supposed to move in. We were supposed to move forward. We couldn't do anything without the electricity. We could, we were stuck. Wasn't it his it, own house? It was own house. Yeah, the, the my contractor's own house. This electrician was yeah. working on. He'd known him forever. Come to find out, he had gone through a divorce. He had disappeared. I'm like, is my first thing, my brain went to, is he okay? You know, like what? What happened? You know, like. Mm -hmm. I tried to think about him as a person first and then when a month and then two months and then the holidays are coming up and I still can't decorate the house and then I become pain personal and I'm like, no, I'm just aggravated now. Like now I'm just mad. So then this is kind of when I stepped away from my contractor and just kind of not, we didn't have a falling out. I was just over it. I think I was just exhausted. We were to a point where really the big stuff was done. Um, and I could just kind of figure it out on my own. 
He hired another electrician that he knew to come out, but he, and this is when I pref- I, I'm going to tell you again, do not pay for something until it's completed. My contractor had known this electrician for a really long time. The first one that abandoned us, he paid him in full. So he had no incentive to come back and finish my job. Zero. No incentive to come back and even, he didn't even have a guilty conscience, you know, just gone. And so my my contractor had to hire a new electrician to come out and finish this job. He hired him. He was awesome. Awesome. Was so impressed by all the things that I was doing myself. Would come over and help me do other stuff. Not even charge, you know, like just, just help with knowledge and stuff. Cause he had built a lot and done things outside of electrical. Loved him. He came out. He, he got our electricity turned on. He was awesome. And then he submitted the bill to my contractor and I got a call from my contractor. Just, I think venting more than anything about the fact that I was like, what do you mean? He he wanted like, it was like $2,000 for the work that he had done. And he was like, that was expensive, blah, 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 blah. And I was like, are you calling me right now for more money? It's not my fault. I'm like, what do you mean? Where's the money that we paid for the other electrician? He was like, well, I paid him. You paid him? Why'd you pay him for not finishing a job? And I'm like, are you ask, calling to ask me right now for more money? After we had already had to buy more materials, after we already had delays, after everything already cost more. He's like, no, 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 no. I'm just explaining what was going on. And I was like, well, cool. I think, he, <laughs> I think he was before he heard the tone in your voice. He was. I think he thought I would just give him money. Because I had actually done that before when we had <laughs> the plumbing things <laughs> and the problems. I just felt bad. And I, I shouldn't have felt bad. It's not personal. But, you know, I think he thought. And I'm, and I'm like, I just, I, have put, I was just tired. And I was just like, no, I'm not. It's really not you know, whatever. From episode five to DIY or not to DIY when renovating a home. With all the the DIYs that I did for the kitchen, would I do the cabinets again? The boxes? Yes. 100%. It's super custom. It's exactly the measurement that I want. I get the exact design and size that I want. I would 100% do that again. Would I do the cabinet doors? Again, now I am freshly off this project, so I have a little bit of trauma. I'm a little traumatized. Can I do them again? Yes. Would I? And I think through the process of doing our cabinet doors, I've just realized that I am not a machine. I am not going to do things as perfect as a computer would do. And that's really what these companies use. They don't cut everything by hand. They're not assembling things by hand. A machine is making this and cutting them and I would look into first finding a cabinet door that I could get custom. I I think when I looked, it was going to cost us like $60 a a door front. Now, I made them for a lot cheaper than that. I just made it for the cost of the wood. So I probably made our cabinet doors if I had to guess, and I will be doing the math for the next episode. But 10 bucks, maybe, maybe $10. I saved a lot of money, but I'm not a machine and I'm not a computer. There is human error and it's handmade, so they're not perfect. And I am a perfectionist and I see a lot of imperfections in some things. Did I do a great job? Yes. I am proud of the work that I did. Could they have been perfect and machine made? Yeah. From episode six, budgets and costs for our home renovation. Let's say I want to renovate the kitchen. I'm going to draw what I want. I'm going to dream big and back up from there, right? So I'm going to draw what I want. I'm going to figure out what's possible, um, reformat the layout, you know, figure out what I want to add in. I obviously value high-end appliances and plumbing. That's really what we put into the cottage too. I love, I don't, I, I wouldn't do the renovation unless I could get what I want, if that makes sense. So I would figure out what I wanted and then figure out how much that cost. Then I would save the money for that and I would do it. So I don't necessarily think that that's having a budget. I think that that's figuring out what you want. And if it's valuable to you and, and it's attainable and you, we can save over the next, you know, year or how, however long, I don't, I don't know how much it would cost in California to redo a kitchen. Um, you know, and then we would work from there. I didn't have a budget 
so to speak. Uh, we took every project for the cottage one step out of time. And if I could do it, I tried. And so if I could save, I, I really couldn't save on material costs because obviously that was uh, a standard whether someone else did it for me or not. But what I could save on was labor. And in a time in 2020, trying to build and get tradesmen's out to our town when it was outside, you know, 45 minutes outside of a major city and when tradesmen's were already so busy or charging an arm and a leg, it, I kind of didn't have a choice. It was really, I couldn't get anyone to come and do it. So I was forced to DIY a lot more than maybe I initially thought I was going to. So there were a lot of factors that went into all of it. So technically, no, I didn't set a budget. I didn't have a breakdown of like, okay, I'm only going to put this much into this room or this much into that room. And maybe it was me being uh, naive or, or a little bit ignorant to the process because I hadn't ever done it before. Didn't know how to set one. From episode seven, what it's really like to renovate our first homes with Lone Fox. Did demo scare you when you had to demo that kitchen? It well, it did because like the walls were just coming off, like the time <laughs> it was it was ripping off, and like and but the thing is, is that my contractor that I was talking to was like, no, like you should be able to just get it right off, like off the surface, and I'm like trying to chip it off the surface, and no. it was so hard, like and you, you, I swear, like on demo shows on like HGTV, they're just like demoing so fast, no. It took me like two days to demo the kitchen, just to tile on the walls. And yeah. I thought it was going to, I swear to you, be like an hour long process. Yeah. Easy. I remember watching and starting the video, right? And I knew you were doing, I knew you had already working on it. And I knew how hard tile was to get off. And it's I started awful. your video and you literally started by saying like, I don't think it's going to be that hard. And I was like, audibly, like, I'm like, try it, Drew. Well, go try it. <laughs> well, also because I knew that you had done all this already. And I'm like, if McKenna's done it, I could probably right. do it. If McKenna's totally. done it, I could probably do it. And then like, I got you didn't to it. And know I was like, I was like secretly so like really strong. Literally, right? yeah. And also something else that makes it atrocious to get tile off the wall is if they use the mesh backed tile. Oh, it pulls off the yeah. It, because the mesh gets stuck and then it, it you can't get it off. No. But if they use individual tiles, they pop off easier. But yeah. the mesh ones are awful. So bad. So I was like ripping holes. I had to have the entire kitchen re-drywalled because oh. it was just coming all off. So <laughs> Something that I get asked a lot and something I talked about last episode was setting budgets, how much yeah. things cost. Mm -hmm. And so I explained that I didn't have a budget because going into a process like this, I didn't know how to set one. Oh, same. Right? So, exactly. So you're the same. Like, do yeah. you ha did you come into this project having a budget and knowing what you were going to spend when you've never done something like this before? So a little, I only knew what I was going to spend on the marble. Like, okay. so when I, cause I knew that that was going to be like my one expensive thing. I knew I was keeping all the cabinets. I knew I was doing all the labor myself. Right. So I knew that like the flooring and the painting and all that, like it was I was just going to be material, material cost. Yeah. yeah. So like, I kind of was like, I could spend more on the marble. And so that's what I did was like, yeah. I tried to find like a stone yard that had like good price on the marble. Yes. And then also, um, like th that had the marble that I wanted as well. So once right. I finally found that stone yard, I got all the marble that I wanted because I knew that was going to actually take up like a ton of the visual space oh, in the totally. kitchen. Because this you was went actually up the an walls. afterthought too. That was an afterthought. Did you have extra pieces? Yes. Those are all extra pieces. And it just happened to work that they look so good in there. Yeah. Because they're actually flipped. The veins all I flipped. I see, yeah. And when they first installed it, I hated it. <gasps> I hate it. And they installed it and I was like, I just made the biggest mistake of my life. Because like, <laughs> because actually before it was installed, I darkened all of this marble. So it was lighter when oh. they installed it. And they went over it with an ager and it, it deepens all the veins. Oh, um, I didn't even know you could do that. So actually something else that I haven't said is that the countertops, I didn't <laughs> put the ager on because they were wrapped. The right. backsplash has all the ager on it. Um, but you can't really tell because no, it's like, I would have never, you would have never known. No. And that's why I didn't say anything because you can't tell. Well, that's but good to know that you can age you can it age if you it. want to. It deepens the color and you can oh. keep aging it. So you can age it once, let it like cure and then age it again. And it will keep darkening and darkening and darkening. But it that's doesn't affect like the white of the marble. It just it only just whatever color pigment. Yeah. pigment. Yeah. That's fascinating. It's called um, ager tiger. 
Ager Tiger. Yeah, you can Google it. It's like $100 for a little can like this, Ooh. but it'll do your whole kitchen. And it just like, it. it's like if you were to like put um like wood polish on wood. I it's see. the same thing for marble. Like, like makes it bi- more yes, vibrant, vibrant and, and it's brings so it. pretty. And the second they did it here, I was like, I'm obsessed with it. But in light form, when the yeah. marble was like honed and very like chalky, I was, I did not like it at yeah. all. Cause it just looked like you could, it, you could tell that it was like different pieces and it right. wasn't like one solid piece, but then also putting items in front of it helps. Yeah. It no, kind of no, breaks up the like marble. Cause sometimes when you look at things, when they're in the state, you ha- kind of have to trust the process yeah. when you're going through a renovation because you'll get to a point where you're like, Oh, I don't like that, but let me keep going. Cause I'm, it might be just the first layer. Exactly. Literally, that was like at yeah. the Sonza family house when I painted that room pink. Yeah. And every day I walked into that room being like, I hate it, but I need to stick with it. Like yeah. I hate this you just color have to keep going. because it can shift. Like you bringing in the bed and adding the bedding can change the entire color of the room. From upcycling decor and materials and how to create a very unique home. Well, even when you think something can't be reused again and maybe it would be trash. Like I could have thought that about our front porch. Our front porch was in really bad shape when we bought the cottage. It was severely water damaged. The floor was really rotten and it was built on two by four. So it wasn't going to last much longer. And they, I had three porch posts out there in the front and they were rotting about two inches up on the bottom. So they wouldn't have been tall enough to reuse again. And I don't know. They were compromised in a lot of ways to hold structure like that. So I was like, I can use these for something I know. So I took, when we demoed the porch, I took them to the back. And one of the things that I thought about was reusing them as the uh, kind of like edge of our island because I was building our island from scratch. So I cut down a portion of these porch posts and used them three along the front of our island to create bar seating. And they're so cool. Like that's such a cool thing that was originally part of the house in some way that I could have thrown away, but I didn't. I I did. And, and there are three more, like another section of those porch posts were still in good shape. So I was like, oh, let me save these. These could be like really cool, like chunky candle holders, like wooden ones. And it's very similar to the candle holders, the stone, these are stone, not wood, but stone candle holders that I just put on our outdoor dining area. Um, they kind of give me that look and that feel. I'm like, these are so cool. You know, so you could think that I'm a hoarder. Do you know what I mean? You you could really think that I save things for absolutely no reason, but I'm really not. I I save things for a specific period of time. And if I haven't figured out what to do with it yet, I go ahead and donate or send it to the appropriate destination. From episode nine, vintage and antique decor, finding, buying, and decorating. Let's, let's actually talk about why we love it. Because I, I love it because I think I find more unique items when they're vintage and antique, uh, that's not sitting on a shelf and it's mass produced somewhere. Um, I think it creates more of an eclectic, interesting home when things are found and curated. Um, it also tells a little bit of history like this, you know, I, I remember where I bought this and, and I remember, I don't know, like I, I, I feel like there's so many reasons why I love going to estate sales and going and finding those, those items. Why do you, why do you I usually, it? I can remember where something was sitting and what house it was sitting uh, yeah, in. Yeah, I can and, too. And who I was with when I saw it and why I wanted it. Sometimes I remember why I have to go back the next day and wait in line again because I didn't get it the first time because I go home and I think about it all night. <laughs> <laughs> so that really gets an uh, imprints it on my mind. But I really think that it's just, that if you go to a store and that, which there's nothing wrong with that. If you need no, a particular and sometimes thing, I live for that. We're yeah. not sitting here saying like, no, 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 I only buy, you know, like I think, I feel like there's some, some ways of like going overboard and trying to push a certain lifestyle or what you buy onto other people. And no, I live for a good 
new shopping trip. I think it, I just do it within, with, with a balance. Um, I do recognize that buying things secondhand from thrift shops and estate sales is keeping those things out of the landfill and less consumption of new things. And I I do think that in, in the back of my mind. Um, and I think that there is a way to live with a balance. And I think that that's, we've, we do a great job of that with valuing a new thing. Sometimes I just want something that's new that hasn't been touched before. And new things can have a, a, a memory too. Like when totally. I when I go meet you in LA, we go shopping. We can go to a place and I buy something new. Yeah. And I love it. And it reminds me of that. It's anything that you feel that will make your home more, feel your house feel more like a home. Exactly. Then you need to get it. Exactly. Or at least try to get it. And it's just, we see, I seem to find more things at estate sales that have history. And that's what I gravitate toward. Yeah. Is the history behind those things. And, but I'm not above buying a beautiful piece of material to make something out of that I can get today. Or even a new piece of furniture. Mm -hmm. You know, sometimes there's just something to be said about getting something new and like, we would be discrediting anyone new, the new ideas that are coming into the world and the new artists that are, you know, cabinet makers and furniture makers that would be making something. We would be discrediting any new ideas by not buying anything new and innovative by only buying old. Um, But then therein lies the story behind it. It would have a story because of the artist and how the years. There would be a reason took, behind it. Yeah, they took to learn how to do what they're doing and and all to make something that you would value and you would love in your home. So it's it's just a story behind something instead of sitting down and and going through a catalog and having a room and going okay I need a couch I need a chair and I need a coffee table yeah done. like you're checking them off your list yes. and then yes. it has no atta- you have no attachment to it it's right. just a physical thing that yeah. you needed uh, yeah we don't we don't function like that bottom at all. line is build a home build a home not a house from episode 10 best and worst decisions we've made when building homes um I did not do it in my house I'm in now, but I had it in the house before this one was a fan, the exhaust fan over your, uh, your stove. Oh, that's one of my best too. Is right above the, is right there. Yes. There. And it, it's very loud. Yeah. So when you're cooking and you you turn on your vent to like vent the, the cooking smells and and steam and stuff. It, the, you can buy them detached. You can buy the blower and the actual vent hood separately um, so that you can actually extend the blower, which is what we did because she, she gave me this idea, to put the blower up into the attic and then it blows out the house so the loud noise that it makes doesn't make that right in your yeah. ear when you're cooking. You Like at her house right now, you can't even hear yourself think. No. When you're and cooking. If you have company around your island and you're trying to visit and all of a sudden you, you've got to pick between the uh, cooking smells and steam and everything going into your kitchen right. or venting. And I, I have literally had to say, wait just a minute, let me turn this on. Yeah, 100%. It, so always, uh, that is a huge, huge thing to put the blower in your attic. Right. Above your she said that brain. so many times during me renovating that I was like, I've got to get this separate. I've got to put the blower up in the attic and you can't even hear it. Like yeah. it's, it's, it's so light. Thing. If you, if you can do that, that's a great thing. From episode 11, how I designed my dream life doing what I love. You know, I don't go blindly into anything. I won't blindly do something just because it's making some form of money. I want to work work smarter, not harder. So everything that we did, like if I was spending a lot of time doing, you know, whatever, charging the scooters, if I made more money doing another one of those independent contractor jobs, I'd do the, the, the better one, you know? So I was always assessing. I was always analyzing what is working, what isn't, what's making me the most money in the least amount of time and doing those because it was really about saving as much time as I had so that I could dedicate it to building the bigger picture, you know? So a lot of those jobs were created and a lot of those businesses were created based on doing something uh, that I thought I was good at over what was going to make me happy. And this was a pivotal, pivotal moment. This is when the idea of me being happy on purpose really started to play 
into everything because I stepped back from all of these odd jobs and all of these things that I still wasn't happy. I was an entrepreneur and I still wasn't happy. I made the sleep and I still wasn't happy. What was wrong? And I was like, I need to look at this differently. If I, I have the ability right now to do anything I want, right? I have the less than the two years now, but a substantial amount of money saved that I have my cushion that I can stay and my life can stay afloat. How can I use this time to really build something that I'm really, really going to love? And once I started designing that life, um, I was like, okay, let me put in plans for how I can get there. What can I do that's going to get me to that lifestyle, to those things? Romeo and I would drive through really nice neighborhoods delivering for Amazon Fresh and we would like really nice neighborhoods. Like these houses were beautiful. And it was kind of an excuse. I actually really enjoyed that one because I it was an excuse to walk up to these gorgeous homes and just like be in awe, you know? And I'm like, I had this mentality when I would go up to these homes and I'm like, this person did that. This person afforded that home. This person has done something in their life to get to that stage. I'm like, I love this house. I want this to be me. How can I make make this into a reality. And if you know anything about me and my content, you know that my home is very important. Like it's, yes, it's, you could say that it's a material thing, but it's not. Your home is your home. And home has always been really, really important. So nice design and, and uh, enough space um, to grow into and a place to call home and to have your family has always been super important. So when we would see these beautiful homes, I'm like that, look how pretty this one is. And I would take notes of like the design that was, you know, one, one that I really liked or something. And I would jot down the address and I would look up the pictures so that I could see what it looked like on the inside. And when I started that, that helped me play into designing um, my perfect life from episode 12, chatting with mom about building a home as women in a male-dominated industry. What was the one thing that came to mind? One instance that came to mind that just like gave you that face when I asked you, like, what was your experience being on site, on a construction site, and being treat treated a certain way, wh- however way, good well, or bad. I think the, the one that stood out for me when you asked me <laughs> the, that the face? was the face was about the windows. The windows, the windows in the house on the hill that I'm in now. The windows. What happened? With they the came in wrong. They had okay. there were a, a lot of the windows that were sitting on the slab. Yeah, all the literally the on the floor. Right. Yeah, and they had to cut the bottom off. That was normally would sit on the window seal. They had to cut that part off to be able to anchor them into the slab. Well, that was all fine and good off the ones that were going to sit on the slab. They, the company, cut it off of all of my windows. Oh no, yeah, not all of them sit all on the ground like that. Have, no, the, there were a lot that went into like window seals. Yeah, a foot or two foot off the ground. So. When they came in, which we waited a very long time, we ordered our windows the day we signed the contract for the house to be built. And because you kind of have to, the lead mm-hmm. times on windows and are long. Are yes. long. The windows specifically are very, very long. Yes, it was then, and it is now. Yeah. And so we we had windows we couldn't use. So the builder, they called them and they said that they were going to just nail them into the screw them in well so with, like screw them into the frame of the wood if right they, sat they up were going to put a piece of wood i see anyway they were going to finagle it yeah. to where they would screw them in well to a piece of wood well the wood over time and everything would shrink and and the it, it, it wouldn't last because the uh screws would be the wood would swell and get with temperature changes and i would have leaks so these were going on window seals you see that yeah. the bottom was cut. This, the actual sealant for the water was cut off to keep it from leaking. So my builder actually went to bat for me and said, no, 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 no. These weren't, we have to redo them. So instead of putting the windows ahead of everybody else because they did them wrong, they put me behind everybody else. Why would they do that? Well, they didn't tell me they were doing that at the time, but it put us on you have to be you have to have the windows to be able to go advance with the house with the sheetrock 
Yeah, yeah because it, your house in. has to be dried in exactly so that it actually protects the next stages of the build. So the windows and being dried in, having your exterior up is like so it, it, it's vital. It's the only mm-hmm. way to move forward. Right. So we had to get them in. Well, when I, I waited, we waited. Finally, when I got to talk to the head guy, he said that Fiesta was coming up, something in San Antonio that everybody Oh, yeah. They off take off yeah, for, for yeah. a couple or three weeks. And so that was coming up. It was a bunch of things. Like holiday up. things coming up. coming up. And it was just a nightmare. And we were three months out on the windows. And that was, un- yeah, that was unacceptable to me. And it's slow. Everything stopped at the build for three months. And he came down from Dallas to talk with me. The owner of the window company? Yes, because I was going to take all the windows out of the house and put them on the cul-de-sac and he could come and pick them up because they were made wrong. Oh, she said, snap. (laughs) She said, you can go and pick up your windows. I'm putting them on the street. Yeah, because unfortunately for him, I hadn't paid for them yet. Oh! I had just put a deposit Love down, for us. which covered for the windows that actually worked that were all so all on the, the ones slab. that were wrong. You were putting, yeah, on they could come get at the street. Okay, yes. so he was flying down to see. I you. said, send a truck. Yeah, I w- don't blame you. Yeah, that. and I'll get my windows from somewhere else. Yeah, and they'll be made right because I'm not going to rig this up to where I have problems later. Yeah. So he flew down, and his right hand man flew down. And they were going to meet with my builder and then the head of my contract, the contractor that was head of my particular job, me and my husband. Well, my husband was, couldn't, your dad couldn't make it that day. He was doing in Houston. And we were there on the cul-de-sac. We were waiting for your dad to get there. And they told me that in his words were, he would rather wait until my husband got there so that he would explain it all to my husband and then he could explain it to him in a way that I could understand. Oh my. I'm just saying. Did you kill him? Is he alive right now? I, <laughs> We're saying that like. I, my builder and the, <gasps> the, the job head of my job, they both took a step back Oh my and I turned to him and I, 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 I just looked at him. I just, I couldn't believe, I was just absorbing what he had said. And <gasps> I'd be hiding behind the house. I told him, I said, well, you let me ha- know how that works out for you and all of your meeting that you're fixing to have. And when you decide to figure out what you are going to do and where we go from there, you give me a call and I'll let you know what you are and are not going to do. And I turned and went in the house. Well, the so-called house with the windows. I I mean, I can't believe that's all you said to him. I did, and I left. And so they were like, "Well, well, your your dad got there, and it was like, what did what did y'all decide? What did she say?" And everybody was, "Well, she she didn't say anything. We hadn't talked to her. We were waiting for you." And he said, "Oh, buddy, you made a mistake." Oh, yeah. He said, "Yeah." And so I, in in not so polite terms, told them that everyone there was working for me. And that they were going to take their windows back and they were going to put me at the head of the line and I was going to get my windows. Even with that, it took another six weeks to get the windows. Oh, yeah. Because, I mean, still still the time to actually do them. Yes. Is, I is did inevitable. get put to the top of the line. But yeah. it, was, it was just, that was his first, he didn't even look at me. He didn't even, he introduced He himself. dismissed you. He dismissed me from the get-go. From episode 13, how I've avoided burnout through home renovations and life. I think it's really important for us to know when to slow down and to recognize the signs. And I think the signs are going to be different for all of us. Um, But I am very much in that phase of like, I was reaching it. And I've gotten really good over the years of recognizing when that's about to happen so it doesn't happen. So I can actually pull back before I hit rock bottom burnout because rock bottom burnout is like pretty bad. (laughs) Rock bottom burnout is not coming out of it for a while and where everything has to stop in order for me to pick back up maybe weeks, if not a month later, you know, and, and that's not ever a place that I ever wanted to get into again, like I've had in the past when I was younger. So 
I would recognize the burnout. This just happened to me last week. And I just clean house. I say, okay, like clean house mentally (laughs) and project wise. I'm like, okay, no, stop everything. We have to regroup. And I sit down and work wise, I start to make a list of all of the things that are urgent, all of the things that are priority. And I make a plan to tackle them. And I don't ever go back and look at the list. Like I just, I focus on one thing at a time and anything that's not priority, anything that's not important, it does not happen. I take it off my to-do list. If it pops back up in my head about something I want to do later on, it'll go back on the list, but I don't even want to see it. I don't even want to think about it. I clean my desk off. I move everything that's not priority out of my way. No, I've got to cleanse. I've got to like, it's almost like you're on a boat and you've just put so like each project or each thing in your life is a weight and you've literally put like picked up a dumbbell and you put, okay, this is another project. And you're putting so many of these weights in your boat that you're sinking. And if you can recognize that there's too much weight before you sink, you can take the weight off. But if you don't recognize that the weights are sinking your boat and you sink, your boat sunk. Then you have to climb your way out of that. And that is, I found so much harder than kind of recognizing the signs. From episode 14, how I learned to love being alone and maximize my creativity. I am alone most of the days of my life. And I like it. I Now, there was a time. So, okay, let's back up. I was in the corporate world, which you guys have probably heard if you've heard like my backstory here on the podcast. It was like episode one and then I I think episode like 11 or 10. I really dived deep into my past and all of the jobs and all of the kind of quote unquote careers that I've had before starting to share my projects online and how they were very different than what I'm doing now. And through those jobs, I was never alone. You know, I'd wake up, I'd get ready for work. I'd be in the office by eight or nine o'clock, depending on what job I was at at the time. I would spend all day with people. I was the manager of multiple teams. So I would deal with all the people's problems and all the drama and all the mistakes and all the, the fix all the things. And then I would come home, you know, exhausted. And that takes a toll on you that like, you don't even realize until you turn it off, you know? So coming out when I finally quit my corporate job at, I was 20, I was about to turn 29. So, um, that was 2017. Mm, Yes. June 16th, 2017. I had to go through like a six month or longer, like detox. Like I had to detox from the world that I previously was in. Being around people, talking to people all the time, having that like person to person kind of like um, stimulation and contact, have talking about things out loud, you know, just in general to now being an entrepreneur, working from home, being alone. (laughs) It was, it was such, I didn't realize that I needed to go through that detox. I didn't know that that was even a thing. It was super weird. And then Romeo at the time when I left my corporate job, he was still working, um, a very traditional full-time job. So he, oh my gosh, he actually was working two jobs at the time. I think he was working, um, he would wake up like at four or 5 AM and go and work, uh, until like three. And then he would go to another job and work and then we barely saw each other for that first time. So I think I was I was starkly alone, which I, it was not great for my mental health. Like I was in an apartment the whole time and then we got Kinsley. That was one of the things that I really wanted. When I left my corporate job, we um, adopted Kinsley and that my, our, our dog, which is sleeping here, but you can't see her, she's like balled up. That was major because then it gave me a companion. It gave me, no, Romeo's my companion, I guess, but it gave me someone that was around all the time that worshiped me, that listened to me talk. She was a godsend. 
Like she is my baby. She's just, she's perfection in every way. So that really helped me with my alone time uh, in the beginning. And then I started to realize that when I'm alone, like this past weekend, no, a couple weekends ago when I was painting the room that I'm currently sitting in. So if you're watching on the YouTube video, you can see that our, our newly decorated and renovated living room. Uh, when I was painting this room that weekend, Romeo was actually at a bachelor trip and we both have jobs now where we, we kind of are like, um, uh, in and out all day, you know, like I'll be working on something or I'll be running errands or he'll be working and running errands. And we kind of, we, we see a lot more of each other now than we actually did when we were working traditional nine to five jobs, which I'm very, very happy about because we like never saw you when he was working two jobs, we never saw each other. Recently, he went to that bachelor party. So I was, it was just me and the house. I literally did not leave our house from Friday when he left to when he got home late Sunday evening. So all day Friday, all day Saturday, and all day Sunday, I was completely alone in our house and I thrived. Now, I am a cancer. I am a homebody. I like to be at home. I like my alone time. I like the peace and the, in the solitude. Like I just, I, I truly enjoy it. And it has been something that I've appreciated more and more as years have gone on since leaving my corporate job. Um, I'm so much more at peace. I'm so much healthier mentally. Uh, than I used to be. So it, it, that's a definitely big contributor. So when he was gone on the bachelor, bachelor party, I was thriving. I was, it was just me. I didn't really, you know, we, we eat dinner together, obviously, or lunch or whatever. So sometimes I'll wait for him or I'll call him and be like, Hey, like, what do you want to dinner? What are we going to make? Oh, where are we going to go somewhere? Are we going to make all the bread? What, what, like, what are we going to do? Um, are we like, or where are you? I'm going to run an errand. It's like just the coordination of it all was not me being alone. You know, like I didn't have any of that coordination. He, I didn't even talk to him all weekend. I'm like, bye, like have fun. You know, like it was my me time. I, painted this whole room and I love painting it's like my therapy I love like the sound that the brush makes when I roll it <laughs> I don't know <laughs> it's very therapeutic like my projects in general are very therapeutic for me and I like doing my projects solo alone when I'm not pressured by anyone else to tell them something that they can do. Like, you know, when I was having a lot of help early in the renovations, you know, obviously I was getting help and they were being helpful, but I had to think of things that they could help me with that actually stressed me out more than just doing it myself. It's like, I would have to be more planned and I'm not a very planned person with, um, my physical part, like I am planned in general, like the general, okay, I'm working on this room and today I'm going to work on this project, but not nitty gritty, not to where I have like a checklist of things that need to be done. And I need, okay, like maybe he could help me with this or my mom can help me with that. That I didn't thrive with, but I appreciated the help obviously. Um, but it didn't really allow me time to be really creative with my video creation and my DIY projects. So then we entered a world where I was like, no, I just really enjoy being productive and working on my projects alone. From episode 15, renovating a home that's not only designed for you, but also increases your property value. There's this balance between designing a home for yourself and designing a home and putting the things in it that are actually going to increase the value of the home so that you get a positive return on your investment later on. So it's like you're kind of juggling both of these worlds. And when I was going through that process, I started to make those types of decisions. And I started to think about even uh, decisions like the size of the oven. In this caliber of a house, in this um, market, in California, where we're at, having a chef style cooktop and a chef style oven being on the larger side, I think is one of the things that we can do to really increase the value. Obviously the appliances play into the, the value of the home a lot. The kitchen, upgrading the kitchen is going to increase the value a lot of the home. Uh, so thinking about those things, I was like, man, there really is a, I don't really think it, well, is it? A, it's kind of a struggle between designing a home for you and designing a home that you are going to sell. Like if I was to enter into a 
house that I was just going to flip, right? We were going to invest in buying the house. We were going to look at it very strategically on how can we do the most with, with a limited budget to maximize our profit. But when you own your home and you're living there, which I think a lot of us do, a lot of us aren't flippers. I'm not a flipper. I don't go into homes and do that. I don't go into them with that mindset. I really design it for me. And my style is not really like anybody else's, (laughs) you know? So it's like, oh, well, I mean, it's when we bought this house, it was all painted white and it was a white canvas and a white box. And um, I'm, I don't really gravitate towards anything really super modern or trendy. So my style is always a little different. Um, but we, I think a lot of us go into situations where we're, we're designing a house and we're doing makeovers on rooms that are our whole house in general that are just for us. And we're not really thinking about that resale value that, that is this going to impact the home in a positive or a negative way? I don't really think we think about that when we're just living there. We just want to live better and make it our home. So I'll tell you, I think there is a balance and, and we'll get into it and kind of the decisions that I'm making with this house and how they differed from the cottage. Now, when I, I was, I think I was house happy. I was like, this is the first thing that I've owned. I have always rented. I have always, you know, just like lived in someone else's space. I have been trying to express my creativity and my design in someone else's space. And now I have the keys to something that no one can tell me anything, you know, like no one can come in here and say, you can't do that. You can't do that. I'm like, I can do anything. And I think I got really excited. And there was a couple of things that I did in that house. Now, a lot of the decisions were great. And I have greatly, and know this for a fact, because I have talked to a realtor, my realtor, about the value of the cottage and what it is. Just for my own information, just for my own, you know, kind of like in my head, have we increased the value? I just wanted to know. So I just had a realtor friend look at it, you know, and see what it was worth on the market. And um, just to have a basis for even, for even you guys to tell you, you know? So there were a couple of things that I that I did that I don't think was in line with like, oh, this is going to elevate the house. So one of the things that I did in the cottage was put high-end appliances and plumbing fixtures. Now, I did this because I was doing so much of the labor and work myself on everything from demo to uh, everything, building all the cabinetry, installing all the backsplashes, installing, you know, most of the plumbing things later on, you know, like the pretty stuff, building all of the, like the wall treatments and painting and everything that I could do, I was doing. So we were saving a lot of money on the total renovation by me actually doing all of that stuff myself. And so in my head, I'm like, man, I'm going to do all this work myself and we're going to save, you know, this chunk of money that we had allotted to the renovation. We're going to save that so that I have enough to actually invest in higher quality appliances and higher quality plumbing fixtures and and that and the other, you know, so, or, and lighting, light, (laughs) lighting. Uh, you know, lighting can get quite expensive. And all of these things that we're talking about, lighting, appliances, and plumbing fixtures can get very expensive. You know, odds are you're not going to sell your, your furniture can get expensive too, but odds you're not going to sell your house furnished, but you could, you totally could. We totally could. If that's something I want to do later in life, you know, we, we totally could, but odds are you're not going to do that. So that investment could go with you. And the lighting could also go with you too. I could swap lights out and take some of the lights that were um, more elevated and more higher end with me, you know, before we ever put it on the market. So there are options there. But when we think about the fact that in that level of a house, in that market, in that area, I outpriced the market by putting those luxury items and those high-end appliances and high-end fixtures in the house. That wasn't really a smart move. From episode 16, Home to Neighborhood, how where we live shapes who we are and how we create. 
our surroundings, like the city that we live in, the area that we live in, whether it's a city or the countryside or the beach or the mountains or whatever it is, it's always going to affect our moods and our creativity. And I know that I'm affected by it a lot. Uh, when I'm in uh, Texas for an extended period of time, like I have been, uh, and I'm busy, but my mom's busy too, and I'm just like living there, you know, going to Greg groceries, coming home, doing that stuff. I, I tend to start to go stir crazy because I'm like, it's almost like cabin fever. Like I feel like I've been cooped up and I can't just easily go out and do something. I do start to feel that because the town is just a little smaller. And that then conversely here, sometimes I feel like it's a little bit too much that I need to either shut the doors and just like be with myself here at home or take a trip, go to the cottage, have a little bit slower um, pace of life at the moment, spend some time with my family, spend some time with my mom. You know, sometimes we just need a change of scenery because um, wherever you are, it can greatly affect your mood and your creativity. So also your space because this is big for me I've always been a person to want to rearrange my space and this goes back to me working like a corporate job too like or even like as a kid I always wanted to like move things around um and make things look different I liked change in my space because it shook up the world I saw things differently when I was working my corporate job uh especially a, a couple of corporate jobs a couple of of fashion jobs I was always ended up in a manager position of like a certain little group of people within the company or a big group of people and so I always tend to be adding team members to my group and we would always be it was all fashion in the fashion world they love open concept offices they do not believe in closed doors which is both great and not great at the exact same time. There's just like no conferences. There's no meeting rooms. There's no private space. They love, or at least at least the ones that I worked on, they love open concept. Well, I it's just weird. It doesn't work. It doesn't look good. You can't decorate. It's just very odd. And it affected my like creativity a lot. Being like hearing everyone's conversations and like my workflow was negatively impacted by an open concept office but I always found myself wanting to move around our desks to make it look better or have more flow and I was constantly moving it around then when we got in you know we had our apartment obviously I would always want to like see if my bed or my couch looked better on another wall and that shake up and that change would affect my mood it would affect you know how I looked and worked in the space and so when I'm getting to like the ha like the house that we're renovating and I'm always experimenting, like trying to change things up. I feel like this room will stay the same for quite a period of time. And then sometimes I'll come over and maybe take some of the art that's behind me and maybe move it to another room and swap things out. And when I, I find something I love, I want to incorporate it. And I feel like it like brings life back into a room that's been the same for a long time. And I feel like that affects a lot like when I work at home I have my desk up against um, the windows I look I'm surrounded by sunlight which greatly affects me I love that I, I can't be cooped up in a room I I need I need sunlight I need to look at things I need you know kind of fresh air I need to be out in the open of of the house so I don't have my office in a room so I look out over our back yard area that we just redid so I get to stare at it a lot um but that greatly affects like being able to wake up with my coffee and sit down at my desk when the morning sun is coming up and it's starting you know the calmness of of the world is starting to wake up and like recently I've been noticing that butterflies will fly past the window and it just brings a smile to my face and it affects me a lot. It puts me in a good mood. If I was cooped up in a room, I would never see the sunlight or the butterfly. And that's sad, especially like the decorations on my desk. Huge mood changer. From episode 17, decorating for seasons with purpose and without breaking the bank. Never really liked colors that were really kind of in your face or you saw or called attention. And so getting to this year and particularly this house, I don't know what it is in me, but I'm like, 
I like that color and I'm very gravitated. It's it's almost like a, a moth to a flame. It's like I'm very like attracted to it. So I'll pinpoint one color that I really love and I'll be all about it. So <laughs> if you heard, throughout summer I was obsessed with cornflower blue. If you follow me on my vlog channels, on the main channel, everywhere, I was obsessed with this color. Every time I would find it, it was like I was just drawn to it. I have a vase that's cornflower blue. I have uh, pillows that I found in an estate sale that have little flowers that are the same color. I have taper candles. I have like a little pitcher thing. It, I was just drawn to it and I really liked decorating with it because I always tend to keep my foundational design really neutral. I always like to keep the, you know, like, okay, we're gonna, like even in this room right now, the furniture and the rug and the color palette is more muted but has warmth to it. Then I like to add in the color on top because I am fickle. I'm very fickle with my color. I don't tend to like it for very long periods of time. So I can't ever do it in a kind of permanent way. It has to be something that I can kind of pack away, you know, or like upcycle in a different way or something like that. From episode 18, my best advice for first time home buyers. I would recommend, I know that like you can feel like you're wasting your realtor's time if you want to see more houses or the amount of houses that you want to see. Maybe I was, we'll ask her when she comes, did I waste your time <laughs> by making you show me all these homes? I didn't care. I wanted to find the home. I recommend, and my advice would be to look at everything. Look at everything. Go everywhere, look in whatever area you think, look at houses that you don't even dream of buying because maybe they're out of your price range. Look at areas that maybe like you could see yourself there, but you know, whatever, it doesn't matter. Look at everything. If something sparks your interest, I recommend looking at it. And you don't have to always go with your realtor. Um, we would go, well, if I was going to go to a private showing, like if I wanted to see a house that didn't have an open house, I would say, I would, I would text my realtor and be like, Hey, like I want to see this house next when we go on these rounds or when can you get me in to see this one? She would also send me ones from the MLS to look at, and I would kind of favorite them, the ones that I kind of like, and she would set up showings. Uh, every time that I was back in town, she would set up showing. So we naturally went to a lot of them and she was all for it. And I think most realtors will be. And we didn't wait for her all the time. Sometimes uh, we were in town just for, maybe I was in town for a short period of time and it was a weekend and most open houses around this area or maybe everywhere are on Sundays. I'd go. There was an open house. I still do it. I haven't in a while because Romeo was like, no. <laughs> not need to look at houses, but I want to start looking at houses for like what they put in them. You know, like there's, there are new appliances. I love to just see like the, the newer builds because I want to see what they're kind of like putting in design wise and like layouts and things. It's just informational for me. And it's an open house. And anyone that says that I could be wasting someone's time. I think I saw a comment like that one time. They're like, you're wasting someone their time by going to an open house. No, you're not. It's an open house. Literally, no one talks to you. Most of them don't. Like you're you're with like tons of other people. They put a sign on every street corner saying basically it should say, please come. I'm not wasting anybody's time at all. And neither are you. So go to the open houses just to get a feel for what's out there. From episode 19, how traveling and change is great for life and creativity. For changing up your routine and changing up something in life uh, really can give you a different perspective. And I know that traveling abroad isn't for everybody and you can't do it all the time. So I've been thinking about ways that I can do that here at home. And whether that is still traveling and maybe taking a small trip somewhere really close by where you can drive and maybe stay a night or two, or it's just a day trip to somewhere that you've never been close to home. 
especially as the season's changing and we're in fall now. I'm always inspired by the, you know, the changing leaves and the fall season and the brisk air and the colors. And so like going somewhere where you can see more of that change in the season could be really, really magical. Or I was even thinking like taking something that we probably do every day, whether you drive to and from work or you're going to the grocery store or you're taking a walk in your neighborhood. I was even thinking like, what about just changing the direction, driving a completely different way? You know, like take a different route. If there's a different route that you can take to work, try it. Maybe you're going to see a new restaurant that you want to try or, you know, you're going to see things from a different way. Or even I thought on my walks um, through the neighborhood, I've actually already been doing this since I got back from Paris because we walked so much all over the country. Uh, We were walking between 15,000 and 25,000 steps a day. And naturally I don't do that many steps. And so coming home... I sit at a computer all day long or I'm doing things with my arms, but I'm not really walking a lot. So I've been still walking through the neighborhood and I've been taking a different direction every day, which is cool because I'm seeing something different. I've even seen houses in our neighborhood that are beautiful and it has inspired really random things like the landscaping for the cottage or something, you know, like I'll just take kind of a mental note of it. And it's really changed my perspective and really helped really like my creativity a lot. From episode 20, Haunted Home Stories, reading our listeners' spooky encounters. I believe because I can't say it's not true kind of thing. I'm a very big believer in energy. So good energy bad energy. I'm very like, I can feel someone even like, a, I'm not talking about ghosts or anything, but I'm, I'm feeling like, you know, like a, a person that I meet, I'm, a, I'm big on energy, you know, like in the exchange of it. So naturally that kind of crosses over into the, that realm, you know? So I was in college uh, and we, Romeo and I were already together. We had been together probably about two, two to three years, no, two years at that point, and I was going back for my second degree at FITM. I was going back for my business degree. And we, I, it was a really hard time to get jobs at that point. And um, I remember we were trying to figure out um, where we, I needed to move out of my current apartment um, that I never had any weird experiences at. We needed to move out of that apartment and into something more affordable because we were having a lot of problems like finding jobs at that time. It was like that 2008 downturn of the economy. So it was really hard to get um, jobs in fashion or anywhere. So we were both really working waiter and waitresses jobs. I was, you know, doing lots of different things. I was still interning and we were trying to scale back and um, figure out how we could get a new apartment and save some money. So we actually decided to move in with Romeo's sister And we were living in an apartment complex. And I don't think that the, you know, lots of things in LA are kind of torn down and then built on. So there could have been something happen 